listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. Oh my goodness. Have you gone out there and bugged the hell out of people yet about the Jeep Talk Show? We're trying to get to that point where I can go up to somebody and say, yeah, I, 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 I know everybody's got a podcast, but I got a podcast, been doing it for 11 years, which you, which a lot of people can't say. Uh, Joe Rogan is one of the people that can say he's done a podcast. Say, we're, we're in a yeah. uh, we're, we're in a in a very small group of uh, podcasters that have been doing it this long. Yeah, which also describes the the, the amount of listeners that we have. Um, so we would like to change that. I'd like for whenever I say I got a podcast, the Jeep Talk Show, and they and people say I've never heard of it. Uh, this I'd like to at least them to have a look on their face like they've smelt something bad whenever I say Jeep Talk Show. That's when I know that the, the words usually getting the out. expression that I get. I don't know, <laughs> exactly. How are you asking the question? <laughs> so get out there like uh, Gary from uh, uh, Dixie Overland did and let people know about the Jeep Talk Show and your YouTube videos. I mean, after all, that's what the video is there for, right? To promote the Jeep Talk Show, not your stuff. Hey, the JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about the Jeep Talk Show at jeeptalkshow.com. Welcome back to the show, Jeeper, and uh, I'm Josh, and on this episode, we're going to see why this one Jeep was playing in the river all by itself, and why there is now a debate going on over the safety between the Wrangler and the Bronco. That's going to be a hot one. It was probably we've got Saturday. A we've got a feel-good <laughs> Jeep story, and we'll get back into the, uh, the old days of electrical and audio tips in this week's Tech Talk. And howdy, it's Wendy, and make sure you check out my newbie nugget sections on Friday's episodes. I talk about all kinds of topics for the newest of Jeepers. Newbie nuggets now with extra dipping sauce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to pay extra. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Tammy, and coming up on Jeep Life with Jeep Mama, my top 10 must-see small towns in America. Hey, I'm Tony, and on this episode, I interview Ken Turdisky. Anyone? Anyone? Turzinski? Almost. Yeah, not, not with a Terzinski? D. Z. Yeah, Z. Terzinski? Terzinski? Yes! Yes! Yay! Yes. Ding, ding, well ding, done. ding, ding. <laughs> of Tyree Lights. T-Y-R-I Lights. <laughs> it's just, I'm horrible at pronouncing names. Smith, I can handle. Did, did I say that right? <laughs> no. Mike. <laughs> you missed that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's this week in Jeep. You know, I just love feel good story, feel good Jeep stories, especially. And and I want to give thanks to our friends at WKRN in Tennessee for bringing the story to our attention. Now, on Thursday and Friday in the Rutherford County area, many people stayed home from work last week and school, for that matter, to avoid the snowy and icy roadways. But healthcare workers, well, they can't do that. They needed to get to local hospitals to help keep them staffed. Well, when road conditions in Rutherford County got pretty slick, well, the Stones River Jeep Club stepped up and used their Jeeps to transport doctors and nurses to Ascension St. Thomas Hospital. Now, Jeep driver Tim uh, Millar, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, says his wife is a nurse. He understands the importance of keeping hospitals fully staffed, especially during the inclement weather. Like most Jeep clubs, they don't just do the off-road thing. They also believe in giving back to the community. Charity Compton and Jennifer Pinkert are both St. Thomas uh, nurses. They walked to a nearby hotel Thursday night after road conditions became too treacherous to navigate. On Friday morning, a Stones River Jeep driver took them and many others straight to the hospital to help their patients. The club will continue to help healthcare workers until the icy road conditions clear up. From all of us here at the Jeep Talk Show, a big Jeep wave goes out to the Jeepers of the Stones River Jeep Club in Tennessee. Keep up the good work, everybody. I, I actually think their logo, which I know our listeners can't see that, but they could if they went to the jeeptalkshow.com check out this episode. I like that logo. I want to join that club. <laughs> right. Yeah. A couple of uh, uh, really old school, like maybe uh, World War II uh, rifles there. It's got like a yeah, bayonet on the, the end. Kind of like the, the old end. Ranger symbol or something like that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Really, really cool. I like, I like that. Now they're but doing some I, really cool stuff out there. If you guys want to check out the Stones River Jeep Club, uh, see what they're all about, we'll have a link to uh, to their website in the show notes for this episode at jeeptalkshow.com. Very cool stuff. So I've got to ask a hard question now. 
Is the Wrangler less safe than the Bronco? Here's why I'm asking that. With the revival of the Ford Bronco, the Jeep Wrangler is faced with a genuine hometown rival for the first time in more than a quarter century. And while the debate over the two SUV's off-road capabilities seems to be taking center stage, a recent upload to the UCAR YouTube channel is stealing the limelight. That's because we now have a chance to uh, better see how the two off-roaders compare face-to-face -face when faced with the IIHS's most difficult crash test, the small overlap front impact. The small overlap front impact test is the most brutal task that a vehicle undertakes during the crash testing. It consists of accelerating a vehicle up to 40 miles per hour before smashing at least 25% of the frontal area into a 5-foot-tall indestructible barrier. That area that makes the impact must be biased towards the driver's side, which helps simulate hitting another vehicle almost head-on or an object like a telephone pole. As the IIHS has previously reported, the Ford Bronco received a good rating for its efforts in this area, whereas the Wrangler pulled away with only a marginal score. And while that might not seem like a tremendous difference, the IIHS begs to differ. Now, upon smashing into the barrier, the Bronco's front fender immediately collapses, while the front wheel is smashed up into the fender well. It isn't a pretty thing to watch, but the passenger compartment itself appears to have been at least somewhat well protected from the shunt. Like with the Ford, the Wrangler's crash structure immediately begins to deform on impact as well. Furthermore, the front wheel once again finds itself shoved back towards the cabin. That said, this action appears slightly more violent on the Jeep as it appears to help the Wrangler flip onto its side. Now, according to the IIHS, this happened during both tests of this nature. The Institute had the following to say about the Wrangler's performance. In quote, in both the uh, Institute's tests, the vehicle tipped onto its passenger side after striking the barrier. The partial rollover presents an additional injury risk beyond what the standard criteria are intended to measure in small overlap frontal crash tests. A vehicle tipping onto its side is not an acceptable outcome for a frontal crash, and as a result, the Wrangler's overall rating was downgraded to marginal. Now, it is important to note that this Jeep footage is from the 2019 model year. Though the scores have not changed in the subsequent years, so while there might be arguments to be made for the Jeep's capability in off-road and other tests in a head-on collision, the safety measure unfortunately leaves the Jeep lacking slightly. Now that said, I don't think this will affect 99% of current Jeep owners and likely won't dissuade future Jeep owners from buying the Wrangler either. You should let us know what you think of all this. Head over to the website, check out the link where we have in the show notes for episode 554 and see the actual test footage for yourself. Let us know what you think. Note, Jeeps were harmed in the making of this video, and the content may not be suitable for all viewers. So I'd just like to point out, uh, scientists, and I use the term loosely, did a study in 2020, I believe it was, where they compared uh, the safety from being uh, outside a locked closet with dim lighting and uh, very well insulated uh, from the audio standpoint. You were much safer being locked in this darkened closet than experiencing life. Yeah. So I, I think this is kind of the same thing. And also Ever too <laughs> and also too, the, the Bronco is kind of uh they're well, they're kind of uh stacking the deck, so to speak, of these tests because they have the self limiting uh, tie rod ends that uh, let the wheels bend out that slows you down and, and, <laughs> and you true. can't steer, so they're right. missing the barricade. So Yeah. <laughs> you know that's kind of along the kind the, the same sort of lines as, as i was thinking uh to myself i was thinking well the jeep is a much more rugged vehicle and so as it impacted this barrier the forces of this ruggedness were translated translated both front and back but then back towards the front again uh and the shockwave just sort of pushed the jeep over onto its side yeah and and obviously because the jeep is so well made and 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 the consistency thereof uh, when they did this test again with another Jeep of the same model year and configuration and everything, the results were the same because the Jeeps are built that well. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like it. I like the lock closet. I think I'm going to go take a nap now. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's found his safe space. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, have you guys seen this story th uh, about this Jeep in the river? Emergency crews in Cambria County spent hours Monday getting a Jeep out of the Conemaw uh, River in Jonestown, Pennsylvania. Reports say that the vehicle's owner had started what looks to be a 94-95 Jeep Grand Cherokee ZJ to warm it up and returned minutes later to find it had slipped into gear and rolled down the hill behind it. The modified oh, no. Jeep ended up going into the river behind a steel yard near Clinton Street. 
Fire crews you had to use a ladder to reach the partially submerged Jeep. They then had to break several windows to get a sling securely around the vehicle enough so it could be lifted out of the water. Looking like a child pulling its toy out of the tub, this Jeep was lifted from the frigid waters with a single strap slung between the two back windows, leaving <laughs> the front of the Jeep to hang free. I can't believe Officials that say no injuries were reported, but I bet the owner of the Jeep is mighty butthurt. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that it, that strap and, and that point of where they actually connected held yeah I mean, that, i'm that, really surprised that's an older vehicle well. it has to be heavy right and thin, thin sheet mean, metal there is yeah i mean this is a unibody jeep here this is a you know first generation jeep grand cherokee um and i mean granted that strap is probably six to eight inches wide but sure. still but still this is i mean and and okay that that is a let's see, a b c that is a d pillar mm-hmm. so it is a structural component of the of the vehicle so i mean yes it's holding up but still <laughs> there had i mean so you look about you look the jeep is in the river it's on all four tires it's just right. sitting there the water i don't even think is up inside yeah. I, yeah I mean it's barely I'm surprised the they didn't drive it out yeah exactly <laughs> So that's why I'm 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 curious. Why did they went? Why did they decide to? And the crane. I mean, th- so the front of the jeep is facing the bank. The oh, crane I see where you're is facing the bank. Yeah. Why uh, did they just hook up to the front and drag and, the well, thing up the exactly. hill? Why use the use the wheels? Let the the jeep handle right, its the, right. the weight it's, it's no designed sense. to handle. Now Sounds I will like somebody say, wanted to try it. Bubba, hey, let me Bubba see if said, I can hey. That's right. Watch this, y'all. Hold my beer. Check I'll, this I'll out. bet I can get that out, yeah. <laughs> now, I will say that it doesn't appear as if it has aftermarket bumpers. No. And so, likely, there wasn't any really, you know, viable front point to hook on <laughs> More to. so now, than the unibody. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what do you do? Now, and I will say, you know, this is in winter. There, are, there is snow and ice on the banks. There likely wasn't going to be too many people diving into that water to strap something around the axle. Somebody had to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody had to put the windows and break the windows. So, yeah, no, so, I see yeah. I see what you're saying, Wendy. It does. It makes a lot of sense where they just should have hooked onto the front of it and pulled it out. Or the first thing I would have done was before, right before they had the thing hitting the window, I would say, up. hang Hold on a second. On, let me try and start it. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, yes. let me try to drive it out. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Jeep. It's going to drive right out. Yeah. So yeah, that's this is just one of those things where I've I've got a lot of questions, uh, you know, as to as to you know what why they decided to go that route versus another. But uh, so our, let us know what you guys think. Our, I want I want to our crack research team needs to go and find the twenty seven firefighters that all stood up next <laughs> to the, the the Cherokee like it was a fish they had just caught. Right. <laughs> Put a hand up to yeah. it, ah, and that's and that's up, why yeah. we know that's why they did that. This is the fish story, the one that didn't get away. Uh, right <laughs> photoshop here well if you got a news tip or response to any one of our stories be sure to let us know what you have to say and you can do it by phone or even by email just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how to reach out coming up later in the show we've got an interview with ken terzinski he's the president at Terry americas a global leader in led hid and halogen light technologies for off-highway industries this is going to be a good one you don't want to miss out hiree <laughs> I need to do it again. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I like that. I like it the way it is. <laughs> You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, be sure you tell your friends about the 4x4 Radio Network as well. We've got something for every kind of flavor of off-roader over there. We've got the On the Trail podcast, the Trail Chasers podcast, the Center Steer podcast, the 4x4 podcast, even the Jeep Talk Show podcast. Lots of great off-road shows. It's all for free. It's all in one place. The number four, the letter X, the number four, and radionetwork.com. 4 by 4 radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. Hey, coming up in Turk Talk, we continue our multi-part audio series. <laughs> see, now you're just being a dick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in Jeep speaker selection, you know, so no more of that crackly speaker stuff. <laughs> oh, 
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? Jeep Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast and a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, advice, and learning. So we've been doing this uh, this podcast for 11 years. This is the 12th year. And, and Josh, you've been here at least uh, 11, 10 and a half of, of those. I was going to say, it's definitely been over a decade. Was there, was, there ever, this, but. was there ever an episode, any time that we were doing this stuff, where I wasn't a dick on the show? <laughs> oh, God. I, I, mean, will, I will say, you remain question. consistent. You remain yeah. consistent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so he's good after eleven years for sure. So this is not something new. <laughs> you, no, you should. No. So that's that's why there's not even a beat before I called you out. <laughs> okay, I know what you're doing out here. Oh gosh. So you cannot be a dick and become a paid subscriber <laughs> to the show. Hey, I'm a professional. <laughs> oh, we're going to get people calling in now. Stop calling yeah, me a dick. <laughs> uh, getting my rat bastard or a dick? It just depends, yeah. I guess. I know. Which one am I this week? I don't know. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> the podcast with a bad attitude. So <laughs> go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and look and see how you can become a paid dick uh, subscriber. <laughs> well, everything. I think a private eye is a uh, honorable say, possession. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Nice save. (laughs) (laughs) From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, you guys talked about having a Jeep seminar, which I think is a great idea. I got a lot of questions I think that could be answered in this Jeep (laughs) seminar. The first one is, if I refuse to go to the gym, is that a form of resistance training? <laughs> There's a possible. If you don't there. pay for an exorcism, do you get repossessed? Oh gosh! And if a cannibal shows up late to the buffet, does he get the cold shoulder? <laughs> Are people born with a photographic memory, or does it just take time to develop? Oh man! <laughs> oh good! Yes! Crickets! And I would say that's that's not why I'm calling, (laughs) but I I just wasted five good jokes. So, uh, yeah, I got to pace them out. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. (laughs) Wow, we got a bang for our buck. We got five episodes worth of jokes. We did. That was awesome. Blew his whole monthly wad all in one one episode. Exactly. Uh, What are we going to get next week? Somebody somebody that knows Nikki G very well is nodding her head. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was good stuff. (laughs) You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Now, in episode 548, we began a new series all focused on selecting the right speaker for your Jeep. But since all Jeep models are different and everybody has different ears, I felt that you deserved more than just a list of Jeeps and what speakers will fit in them. Google can tell you that, but only you know why you're looking to do this to begin with. And that why is the inspiration behind this whole series. In the last couple of installments of this segment, we've covered, uh, of course, how to find your size speaker, you know, which one you need, and and sort of what some common issues average Jeep owners will face with speakers over time, and and even some more introspective topics, such as what it is you're trying to accomplish with a speaker swap and what your budget is. But the latter is going to be a little bit tricky for a lot of people because, well, most of you don't know what the average going rate for a, you know, price is for a given speaker size. So, you know, you won't have a baseline to start with, and that's completely normal. But we'll put aside the budget because needs will dictate much of that when the time comes. In the last Tech Talk, we covered the most basic scenario, which is simply needing to replace a blown speaker. But since speakers aren't sold individually unless you're at the junkyard, and, well, maybe even then... So you're going to be looking for a pair. Now you can walk into any car audio shop and get sold the cheapest set that they have, or pay even less buying God knows what off of Amazon for a sack of pennies, and it will likely sound just about as good. Now, you don't necessarily want to default to the cheapest option when it comes to the speakers for, well, any vehicle, let alone your Jeep. So maybe the more high-end sound is what you're looking for. Or maybe your factory system is a little bit more high-end, that's the way it came, and has component speakers. 
meaning there is a mid-bass component called a driver or a woofer and a high-frequency component, usually referred to as a tweeter. These types of systems can be identified by their two different speaker sizes and locations. In almost every vehicle, the tweeter is installed higher than the woofer, usually higher in the door or sometimes in the A-pillar or even in the, in the dashboard sometimes. Other kinds of speakers who have their tweeters as part of the woofer assembly are referred to as two-way or coaxial speakers, or even three-way speakers if they have multiple tweeter-like speakers positioned over the mid-bass driver. You'll see speakers like this in those large oval speakers like a 6x9. Now one thing to note, component speakers will always be more difficult to install than a traditional two-way speaker. The reason for this is that the woofer will usually be much like a straightforward speaker install, but the tweeters themselves will often be in a harder-to-reach location meaning that if they are in the dash, then removal of the whole dashboard may be necessary in some cases to replace that particular speaker. Just like it is in the old Jeeps, remember? Uh, that front speaker? Yeah, not easy to get to. And the way that those tweeters are mounted is far from standard. Different models of vehicles use different bracketry to place those little speakers, and an aftermarket replacement may not always go in the same way that that factory one came out. So some bracket, uh, bracket fabrication may re be required for some installs. Now, now there's also the crossover network. As with many more high-end component speakers, uh, this often at times is a little sealed plastic box that will have a single input, but then separate outputs for both the woofer and the tweeter. The job of this little box full of capacitors and coils is to direct the appropriate range of frequencies to the appropriate component of the speaker system, the highs to the tweeter and the lows to the woofer. And that crossover has to be put somewhere, and you may not have room in the door for it. And it will ha you'll have to get creative with placement for it and, well, deal with things like running speaker wires through the door jam. Now, when talking speakers, size always matters. I have to say it. Now, tweeters can't produce much below the highest of flutes and cymbals, that sort of thing. They couldn't produce anything resembling a beat if they tried. While subwoofers can't produce those flutes or cymbals, and, or even the subtle har harmonies of the human voice or most wind or string instruments, but they can put out some bass. The beat of the kick drum, the explosive impact of the tom, the low hum of the cello or a bass guitar. Each size of speaker has its range of frequencies it can play very well, and those it definitely cannot. Now, now that you have a basic understanding of size and frequencies and the relation thereof and a set of realistic expectations for what a certain size of speaker will sound like, let's dive a little bit deeper. This is going to be, uh, help you fine-tune your specific ear to find you the right speaker. Remember, it's not all about the Jeep. You're the one that's in it, and those ear holes deserve some attention. Okay, let's take your average everyday five and a quarter speaker, a very standard automotive size door or rear panel speaker. Although the speaker is just fine for most applications, it simply won't sound as full or be as, uh, as able to produce quite as much bass as a 6.5-inch speaker. Also, a very common size speaker found in the doors and rear decks of literally hundreds of models of vehicles all over the world. Now, as far as percentages and ratios, ratios go, this is very similar to the difference between a 31-inch tire and a 35-inch tire. Both will get you off-road and they'll do just fine, but the difference between the capabilities of these two tires is undeniable. It's virtually the same difference, within eight-tenths by the numbers, between the speakers, just in audio reproduction, not ground clearance. So now that you understand the fundamentals of speaker size and what that means when it comes to the range of sound a speaker of a certain size can produce, we're going to go even further. But that will be in the next Tech Talk. I told you, when we're all done here, you're going to be armed with a ton of info when it comes to audio and choosing the right speaker for your Jeep. I'm kind of surprised at that difference between those sizes of the speakers and how it would actually impact the sound better just yeah it, just a little you, bit of size i mean it, it's amazing all about moving yeah. air it's it, exactly tony it's all about moving the air it's the surface area of that cone and how much air it can move and and well sound is just moving air it's a it's a, it's a wave hmm. and, you, and you might be confused as well how can i those little earbuds though sound so good or headphones sound so good because the amount of air that needs to be moved is much smaller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. the air cavity oh, inside that, that makes sense. is a lot bigger than the air cavity inside your ear hole. Right, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> and the Jeep talk show is sitting right there waving back at that sound. <laughs> <laughs> so I know this gets uh, really technical for a lot of people, and I'm, I'm trying to kind of move through the sort of stuff. And, and But trust me, it's all going to come together in the end. And, and once you, uh, you've listened to all these uh, different tech talks here on this, on this particular topic, uh, you're going to have a really good understanding of what's going on and, and what you need to do next.
Of course, until that time, if you have anything to add or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk, I'd like to uh, encourage you to jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. And you can reach out to the show. You can reach out to me specifically and uh, and send the send the show a message or uh, me a topic uh, for Tech Talk. And who knows, you may even hear it on a future episode of the Jeep Talk Show. I like this, Josh, because uh, it gives people s- some information that they can have that I think a salesperson doesn't generally have. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say none of them do, but I would say the majority don't. And if they do, they probably don't see it as a good reason to try and uh, uh, you know, explain it to somebody. Well, not not just that, Tony, is is that 99% of the sales guys out there in, in virtually any car audio shop are not going to be dealing with a customer who is as well educated as the person who's going to be after the end of, uh, at the end of all this. You're going to go in there, you're going to have terminology, you're going to have an understanding, you're going to be able to talk with confidence, you're going to know what you want and know what to avoid. And that's going to be throwing a major curveball to any sales guy. So I, I, I'm, just, I'm actually kind of encouraging people to maybe record that inter- interaction. It could go viral. Well, Josh yeah. said, that <laughs> I heard it on the Jeep Talk Show. <laughs> yeah, anytime that we can uh, inform our, our listener, the better, I think. And I th- it gives them power. Indeed. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show, Jeep Podcast, at my mom's house. From around the world, or from your city, and sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Idaho boys and girls, it's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking with Ken, and Ken is the president of and one of the owners of TYRI, or Tyree Americas. He has been with the company since it started in 1991 and was the general manager before taking his current position in 2016. So obviously, Ken, you got some dirt on somebody and got bumped up to president, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that. You shined the light on their soul, and they saw the where you needed right. to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can excellent you can, pun, excellent pun. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so you can find out uh, more about uh, Tyree Offroad at tyreeoffroad.com. That's T Y R I Offroad.com, and of course, we'll have that in our show notes of uh, in this episode. So, Ken, thank you very much for being here. We were chatting a little bit before we got the interview started, and uh, you're a long-time off-road type person. Yes, I am. I, uh, I grew up on a farm, and I started driving the tractor when I was about eight years old, and then graduated to pickup trucks and dirt bikes. And, uh, and from there, it just got into all kinds of things. And then we got involved with uh, Jeep a few years back, and I made my first my first trip to Easter Jeep Safari, and oh, I was yeah. hooked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so do you currently have a Jeep? Uh, I actually have two. But tell me which one your favorite is. So, uh, well, my favorite is actually a, a, the, my favorite was the first one I had, which was the 2017 as a JK. Uh-huh. Uh, a JK is a Rubicon Hard Rock Edition, and it had the uh, the color was Gobi. That tan color. Oh, okay. I'm glad you said so that. That, that was actually our favorite one. Yep. Yep. Well, that's good. Any modifications to it? What size tires you get on there? Yep. Uh, yeah, I had, uh, it's a two and a half inch lift, uh, 35s, uh, mud tires, and uh, oh, some AEV wheels. Uh, I got about, I don't know, 25, 30 lights on it, of course. <laughs> Naturally. I, I know where I can get them. <laughs> Oh, that's great! So I was looking at the uh, at the website uh, and <laughs> drooling over lights because I know all the Jeep Talk Show mm-hmm. listeners uh, know how my, about my uh, affinity for lights. The brighter, uh, you know, there's uh, small, big. I don't care as long as they're brighter than hell. Uh, because I mean, I look at mm-hmm. it this way: there's there's lots of bad drivers uh, on the on the the paved streets, and if you could put enough light on them, you will sterilize them and stop that bad driving at that generation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, uh, we 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 cannot recommend that. Though. No, no, no. Of course not. That's just me. I, <laughs> yeah, Ty- Tyree in no way, shape, or form wants to sterilize people. No, <laughs> we'll just say that clearly. 
So I got to ask you on yeah. these on these lights. I noticed that you guys have LED work lights, and I'm I, right now. I'm looking at the foxlights.com, and that'll become uh, understandable here in a bit. That's that's another one of your sites that you that the the tower you uh, company has. But fox uh, uh, taillights.com. I noticed on there. There's there's different sections. One is LED work lights. Another one is an off-road four x four light. And looking at them, just as yep. a, a novice, they look the same. And I've seen these these work light uh, things mentioned before. You know, when you're buying the lights to go on your Jeep, and I figured they just called it uh, work lights to keep you know some state or federal uh, uh, agency happy. <laughs> Because you know, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed <laughs> yeah. to put them on your car. Yeah. What's the difference between LED work lights and off-road lights? Uh, not much, really. It's just I didn't the think pattern, so. Yeah. Uh, the light pattern that they put out. Uh, but uh, we call them work lights because of the many, main industries that we started in, which was mining, construction, material handling. Uh, we do some for military as well. So uh, they're generally referred to work li- as work lights in those markets because you want to illuminate the area uh, in which someone is working or the area uh, around a machine. Uh, that was so, simple. You know, the work area of a machine. I should have been able yeah. to figure that out myself. That, it's, so one's more of a <laughs> wide area coverage, whereas like the off-road lights are right. more of a pinpoint type thing. But, but you could equally mm-hmm. irritate right. people on the trail with both of them. I just want to make sure we're clear on that. Absolutely. So, the more you got, the yeah. more the more people just go, ah, he's a lighting genius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so these things are really substantial looking uh, housings, and I'm sure that the LEDs are, are as well. But mm-hmm. but I, I would assume that kind of goes back to the uh, the commercial nature of your lighting. Yes. Uh, yes. Everything we uh, have, all of our products are designed really for. Uh, to be able to be used across all of our markets. Uh, We generally take what we need for, say, the mining market and incorporate all those features into the whole model. So it's just easier to sell, easier to, you know, keep track of everything with such a broad product range. Oh, man. I mean, if it's going to survive in a mine, it certainly ought to survive on somebody's uh, Jeep out uh, running around off-road on the weekends. Yeah, until you drop off a ledge, you know, and hit the bumper or the or your uh, 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 trailer hitch onto a solid rock, that kind of sends a vibration through through the whole jeep. Oh God, and and the participants of the that are riding the jeep as well. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, would it be uh, would it be too much of a too much to ask? What kind of uh, LEDs that you guys use? I have a uh, I've I've had a love affair with the Cree LEDs for a while, and I was just curious. Maybe you use those, or maybe something better. Uh, yeah, we use some Cree. Uh, it depends. All depends on the application and uh, what's available for uh, uh, the particular goal that we have of that design. So, right. a lot of our lights use Cree. Uh, and uh, uh, but we've also used various ones from you know like Soul Semiconductor and uh, uh, Samsung, LG, uh, Philips LumaLeds. It, it all depends on the application. What, what, uh, but what so makes far, the- uh, right now, primarily Cree and Soul Semiconductor are the main main manufacturers we use. Oh, good! I picked the right one then because uh, I kind of learned uh, yeah. through trial and error about the the Krieg LEDs. So when you say depends mm-hmm. on the application, what what determines? I mean, what kind of applications are you talking about, and what would determine whether or not you would use uh, one uh, one brand? And, and what I'm asking him about the LEDs, I'm talking about the specific LEDs. Who makes those LEDs? Mm-hmm. If you right. guys if you guys aren't right. following along, so. What would the application? How how does the application make it different? Is it heat? Is it longevity? What what are we looking at? Yes, some of it is uh, thermal capacity. Uh, some is uh, the size of the diode, uh, the actual diode itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some are very small, and we use we tend to use a lot of small ones where we need a real narrow beam. Like we make a lot of lights uh, that are used on forklifts. Uh, the blue spots that are behind the forklifts so people can see when they're when the forklift is moving up as a visual signal mm-hmm. to get away uh those we need a very like a small footprint led uh so it we can really focus that beam in a narrow spot 
Uh, and then others we use, uh, uh, not everyone makes something that size. And then other ones we use are much larger footprint uh, and uh, they'll put out a whole lot of light and uh, like a thousand lumens in from each diode. Oh my goodness. More. I've seen those on, on YouTube. Oh, that was just, I, yeah. just, I want one of those so bad. I don't know what I'd do with it, but still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So one of the lights we make actually uses four, four of those and we get 4,600 effective lumens out of that light. And that's why the heat sink on the back is so large. Yes. Yeah. You start uh, start doing that, the LEDs, although a lot cooler, yeah. the incandescents uh, still heat up, especially when you start uh, generating a lot of lumens, lumens out of it. Yes. So you were talking yeah. about uh, uh, making sure that like when a, a, a forklift is backing up, it, it alerts people. I saw the backup alarms mm -hmm. on, on, the, on the site, and I'm thinking to myself, if the bright light on the front of your Jeep doesn't irritate people enough, get one of these backup alarms <laughs> where you get the beep. Yeah, you can also scare wildlife away. Oh yeah, <laughs> take your jeep out deer hunting and then start people start people start yeah. shooting at you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I think that's really cool. I mean, you could put a switch on it, I suppose, you know. But I, mm. <laughs> I remember I worked construction when I was like eighteen, right out of high school, and. Uh, <laughs> you would hear that crap all day oh, long, yeah. and of course that goes back to the commercial yep. uh, aspects of of uh, Tyree is there that, that you sell stuff for uh, commercial vehicles, mm -hmm. which I think is really cool because uh, that uh, that strength and that design. Because I'm sure you guys have to do some robust designs because nobody's taking care of anything on a construction site. <laughs> no, no, uh, and we always say uh, we actually started the company. Uh, based on or for one mining company for Komatsu mining and uh so they we basically had a letter of intent from them saying that if you you build some lights for us a new range of lights we'll we'll buy them from you so we started the company on that and uh uh Komatsu mining is still one of our top five customers so uh we've been able to you know continue to change of course the original lights were halogen and then led or and then uh, xenon and now everything's LED. So uh, we do a lot of testing. Uh, all of our lights get tested uh, all the same way. Uh, vibration and shock, mechanical vibration, mechanical shock, mm -hmm. uh, you know, IP test for water ingress. Uh, we go a little bit further than a lot of people on the IP test. We actually use a uh, 5,000 PSI pressure washer that's heated oh, to... Heated to about uh, 180 degrees Fahrenheit, mm -hmm. so it's you know high pressure, hot water really, really gets in places that you wouldn't expect. Uh, we always do dust testing, uh, and of course EMI is always a big issue with LEDs. So we want to make sure that when you turn your lights on, you know the radio, you don't have static on the radio. Right. So we go through all that. All of our lights are. All of our lights meet class five uh, for that, which is, uh, you know, getting up. It's a, it's pretty high, pretty high compared to most, most, most of the import lights don't even come close to that. So the, the EMI, would that be because the LED lights are never really on that they're, they're flickering on and off that then that causes the, the potential EMI? Correct. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because they're constantly, you're, you're right. They're constantly switching on and off. Uh, otherwise, they'd heat up too much. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I learned about using a, a DC uh, motor controller to uh, actually change that uh, flash rate and uh, very mm -hmm. very how long they are on and off, which the, gives the a dimming appearance. That's a, a, a nickel tour right. for you uh, listeners out there. That you, you can actually do dimmable LEDs, but uh, they uh, you yep. don't have, you don't have to spend a several hundred dollars you can just use a, a dc uh, electronic dc uh, uh, motor controller to do that so let me ask you the uh i was looking over at the tyrelights.com and i saw that there was a uh not one of the official uh ones we're telling you guys to go to but i thought this was funny i saw the the vl4 light bar and before i read about yes. that uh, i thought it was a bar of gold or silver and <laughs> 
I was thinking these people are <laughs> these people are making so much money. They're they're selling blocks of uh, precious metals. So <laughs> is, is is this a is this like a uh, is the TyreeLights.com? Is that more of the commercial side of things or? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's more the commercial yeah. side, uh, more directed towards uh, OEMs. Yeah, so so don't you guys go there. That's just me messing around. I was digging around at stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, there is a lot of interesting information there, though. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so expect, especially when it comes to things like effective lumens and how we measure our lights, uh, different things we go through. So oh. there, there's some interesting information there. That's all over the road, isn't it? I mean, when somebody tells you lumens, mm-hmm. it could be, it really has a yes. lot to do with how they measure it. And you just, it's a ballpark figure at best, folks. Uh, I, right. I, I don't know about Absolutely. you guys, but from what I've seen on uh, YouTube and eBay and even buying stuff off of Amazon, it says 8,000 lumens. Eh, well, maybe so, but probably not. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. No, and what we do is we measure everything. Uh, we have a very uh, strict procedure in how we do it. So we, we uh, basically, we turn the lights on. We measure them two different ways. We also measure multiple samples. So it's not just, you know, the best one or anything. Mm-hmm. We, we measure multiple samples and we, and we, we continually measure them uh, throughout. I shouldn't say continually, but, you know, uh, we'll measure multiple samples at various times throughout the year. So we keep on top of make sure our, our, what we're advertising is correct. Uh, and what we do is we actually uh, turn the lights on and get them up to steady state which usually takes about 45 to 60 minutes. So everything is heated up, uh, and then we start taking the measurements. Uh, And we take measurements, so we rate them as effective lumens, which we define as the the light that actually is coming out of the light that is usable. And uh, uh, it's not theoretical, it's not raw. It's what is actually coming out in the usable area uh, of the light. And uh, so we do it two ways. We measure it on what's called a goniometer, where you measure on different points, uh, multiple points uh, for in the uh, front of the light. Uh, and then we also put it in a sphere that measures the total light output. Oh, that's interesting. And, yep. That's really cool. So, so when we say lights uh, put out like 8,000 effective lumens, uh, it's a minimum of 8,000 effective lumens, and that is going to be, uh, you know, once they're heated up, you know, especially like when you're out in the desert or something, you're going to get, you're driving through the desert at night, uh, you're going to get 8,000 lumens. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be, uh, you know, we don't say it's a, it's a 10, 000, or a 20,000 and then once the light heats up, it drops down to two or something. We, uh, we like to call it truth in advertising. It's all, yeah, it's all about sales. All about, <laughs> get them in, yeah. get them out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but not you guys. You're actually trying to do it the right way, and, and, and we really appreciate that. Yeah. So the other thing I want to point out is, is that I think everybody's introduction to light bars a few years ago, I mean, or LED lights, was the light bar. And, and I've never really mm-hmm. cared for the look of light bars. I mean, I started uh, off-roading in the, the late 70s, early 80s, and a lot of it was KC, uh, KC lights back then. And everything was round and, and not yeah. LED, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the, the, these lights, the, the, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, the majority of lights that you have for sale here are the round uh, or roundish uh, lights that have uh, right. the uh, the post at the bottom, so you can like mount them on a roll bar or a fender or wherever you want to roll, uh, mount them, mm-hmm. but not the pivot thing like the the LED light bars do. Right. Good. Yeah, you can mount them in various various locations. Uh, you have a lot of, of a lot of variety as far as where you're aiming, where they're aimed, um, and uh, also if you know if four LEDs go out, you don't have to replace a whole sixty inch light bar. Exactly. Yeah, I just uh, I just don't care for that long LED bar going across there. I much prefer having the the round light. And you can actually the great thing is is that if you actually mount uh, the round LEDs up high uh, above the uh, uh, the windshield line, 
you can adjust those individual LEDs to give you uh, uh, those individual pods to give you lighting in a more wide area or a more narrow area. You just get a lot more control. And that's one of the great things that I think we all like about our Jeeps is that we, we have buttons and mm-hmm. levers to press so we can t- control the machine about doing uh, what we want it to do. And you can do that with your, your lights uh, doing it uh, this way. So it looks like the, yeah. um, the, the, the housings are primarily uh, like a, a heavy-duty plastic. Is that correct? Uh, no, actually, they're die-cast aluminum. Oh, wow. Well, that helps so, with the heating, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, we need to have that. Uh, it's, they're really just uh, heat, big heat sinks. Uh, so we, we really need those, and there's a, a you know, number of fins on the back to help increase the surface area to, to uh, dissipate the heat. Well, that's really cool because so the, actually, it kind of has a plastic look to yeah. it, but that's actually aluminum. So that gives you guys, I mean, of course, you just go over to tyreeoffroad.com and have a look at these things. You'll see what I'm what I'm seeing, but they, they look like they've been molded. They're so uh, well-shaped. That's why I was thinking it was plastic. You don't normally see this type of uh, mm-hmm. molding with aluminum. So that's really cool. Yeah, and we need that to... Uh to really dissipate the heat because we do drive these uh, pretty hard and uh, we also we need to keep them cool to make sure they last so uh, a lot of our most of our lights are designed to to last fifty thousand hours yeah that's of continuous use so that's, that's uh, just amazing yeah, that's, yeah the lighting i mean when, yeah. you, when you were a kid with a flashlight that had, it was uh, full of d-sized uh, batteries and you had it on and you mm-hmm. dropped it and that light was gone <laughs> So if the yeah. if, yeah. if yeah. the D size batteries didn't die first, that that light bulb wasn't going to last very long because it heat up and break that element when you when you dropped it. Not so much with the LEDs. Love this uh, alien UFO yeah. technology we have these days, Ken. <laughs> yes, uh, isn't I love technology. Technology oh, yeah. is wonderful. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, especially so, when you start adding it yeah. to, to Jeeps that are so old. Uh, you know that were designed right. way back when, and then putting all that technology on it. I, I'm not. I, I'd like to live, uh, you know, 100, 150 years and see uh, what the Jeeps look like mm-hmm. then. So uh, I noticed that you've got, and, and I'm just just uh, spitballing here. The uh, I see that you have the uh, the D8 uh, LED light, and I see the D8 swivel. Is you, none of these mm-hmm. things are are electronic where you can like move them around from like a joystick or a, a pad on a phone or anything? Is there? I mean, that swivel. I don't think no. so. I think that's just an adjust manually adjustable thing. But I was hopeful. Right. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. No. No. It's. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But yeah. yeah it's, a, <laughs> it's just a manual adjustment. You got to get out with your ratchet and and your wrench and or get a good it up a little bit or get a good it. friend yeah. that understands hand signals and this yeah. while you're driving on the road to stay a little level way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that just yeah. makes it more adjustable exactly. for up and down i would assume yes yep that's that's really cool yeah and yeah and you can rotate it around and yeah up down and around yeah where you where you need uh, the light nice. to go uh, yeah especially uh like those uh have been fairly popular uh mounted in uh to illuminate truck beds yeah i can see uh, that in maintenance trucks so they can easily reach up uh and just turn it if if you don't tighten it too tight uh they can reach up and they can turn it by hand and you know they can it in the truck bed or turn it around and shine it on the out on the ground outside yep yep so and they, uh they, they work pretty well for that it looks like these are all, uh, well, the ones I'm looking at look like they're all 12 or 24 volts. So that gives, uh, that kind of mm-hmm. harkens back to the commercial aspect, I would believe. Uh, also, too, before I forget, yeah. uh, you guys also do uh, LED auxiliary lights. So you folks that are, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but for you folks that maybe are uh, changing out the, the taillights on your, on your Jeeps for something a little more rugged, a little more off-road, uh, something that's thinner so it doesn't get caught up on stuff. Uh, you guys have uh, have them hooked up with uh, these uh, LED auxiliary lights, red, uh, amber, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, we do, we don't have a huge range uh, of those, but we we do have a few. People don't get uh, too fancy with, uh, with tail lights, uh, so I think this would be great. Yeah, no, it's this is really yeah. similar to what you would see on a farm. Uh, if if you guys are wondering, of course, you can just go to mm-hmm. uh, uh, foxtaillights.com or 
uh, tyreeoffroad.com and, and see these things for yourself. And I highly recommend you do that. That's why we give out that uh, give out the uh, the website information at the beginning of the interview because we know you you guys want to go and have a look at this stuff. Uh, you know, while you're listening to the uh, the interview and see what we're tell we're talking about. Um, so you also do uh, strobe and warning lights, which is probably not something that you that people would want off road. But uh, if you're if you're stopping no. to help somebody, uh, even off road, I think a, a warning light might be good. It actually might be better than uh, having it on road because uh, of, of turns and things that happen uh, off road that uh, block the uh, block the view of uh, uh, you may be in a bad spot. So uh, you could even look at getting some of these strobe lights uh, from them. So mm-hmm. you, you guys, I mean, if it's an LED light, you guys pretty much got it covered here. Yes, we we certainly try to, but there's always something new, you know. I mean, we're now starting to work on things with lasers, uh, and uh, we're also working on, uh, you know, smart lighting as well. And the smart lighting would be um, intelligent as far as how much you need or uh, comes on and off with yes, motion uh, or? It, yep. Actually, we've, we've developed a... It's a a design is called our uh, IntelliLight. Uh, it's not quite released yet, uh, but we're getting close. And what that is is it's a uh, uh, a light that you can uh, connect uh, Bluetooth. It's got a, it works off a of Bluetooth mesh, and you can we have an app for your phone. You can adjust dimming, uh, change the color temperature. So, for example, most of our lights uh, come in uh, 5700 Kelvin which is a pretty white light. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're in snow and dust and things like that, you get a lot of reflection back. So with IntelliLight, you can turn that down to 3000 Kelvin, uh, which is a much warmer light, and you don't get as much reflection. Yeah, I read something uh, a while back so, that uh, through testing uh, back in, like I think, early 1900s or maybe even the 1800s, uh, they they found that uh, yellow lights or the the lower the warmer temperature that you're talking about is actually yep. uh, perceived mm-hmm. by humans that that warmer light you can actually see clearer with that and then when you go with those those uh, those blue lights that were out back a few years back and now the the ultra white lights it actually uh, is not as good for seeing they look pretty I mean they look really cool because you yep. we're all used to seeing the the yellowish uh, lights, but actually, and and, and that's why uh, the the uh, fog lights are, are yellow, folks. So you you see in the fog, yes, you see better in the fog. So uh, the 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 white LED might illuminate things just perfectly fine, but but due to the design of your eyeball and your perception, the yellow is better. So that's a great idea because yes. now you don't get into a fight with somebody because you sell them yellow is better, and they go, no, it's not. I like these bright white ones. They say, well, I yeah. just I dim this down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I dim it down. I, I turn it down to a warm tone, and I, I can see better for some reason. Right. So, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the interesting thing about this uh, system as well is we can also connect it to other sensors. So, uh, like, one of the things I've been testing on my Jeep is uh, when I'm out off-roading is I'll have all my lights on, and then I meet another Jeep on the trail. I have to turn everything off. And, of course... When you're bouncing around, it's sometimes hard to find the switches. Yes. Um, but we have a, a photo sensor that we mount in the windshield. So when you meet another Jeep, their headlights will actually dim the lights down automatically. So you don't have to be fumbling around searching for switches. Oh, that's great. You can pay attention to the Jeep and the, the off-road trail and your screaming passenger uh, as to calming them down right. so you can continue on. <laughs> yeah, and and then also have a hand free to you know to wave. Well, of course, I was thinking back backhanding them, but <laughs> yeah. but just to wave, that's much better. That's a, that's a much better uh, politically correct thing than what I was thinking. Well, Ken, yeah. I got to tell yeah. you that the, the kids out there love their social media. Uh, we've mentioned the the websites, uh, the tyreeoffroad.com, and uh, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, something on foxtaillights.com here in a second, so make note of that one. Uh, where else can they find you guys, and uh, how would they find you? Uh, we're on uh, Instagram and Facebook, so uh, Tyree Lights on Facebook, and uh, I think Tyree underscore Lights on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate anyone giving us a follow and uh, any questions, of course, we can we can be reached in multiple ways. 
Yeah, uh, worldwide, actually. Uh, you guys can be those apps. worldwide, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, absolutely. That's great. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to, uh, the Jeep Talk Show will be uh, following you uh, in those places here in just a few minutes when we get done with this interview. And, uh, oh, I, and you have a little something for our listeners out there, don't you? Yes. Uh, they go to uh, foxtaillights.com and use the code JTS20 uh, to be 20% off your uh, of, uh, Tyree lights. That is wonderful. Thank you for that. You know, it's funny. The listeners love uh, the uh, the discounts and the giveaways, so we uh, really appreciate the mm-hmm. discount. And that's a sizable discount, guys. So twenty percent off. Uh, go over and, and you know, it's it's not like you're risking something here about uh, maybe if this is the the first time that you're buying a Tyree off road light. It's not like you're risking anything because these guys have been doing it since nineteen ninety one. It's on commercial equipment and even military stuff. So I know the military guys are going, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but but it's it's stuff that has to uh, pass muster. And uh, it, uh, I'm, I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to be eyeballing this stuff because, you know, like I said, I love the bright lights, uh, Ken. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, and in addition to that, I'm also we were, you know, we've been supplying Jeep uh, ever since they introduced the JL. So uh, our our five inch and seven inch lights uh, have gone through all the Jeep testing, and uh, you know so it's the same thing you can buy from Jeep. Oh, very cool, very cool. All right, Ken, thank you so much for making time uh, for us tonight. And uh, anytime you got anything new coming out, I would especially like to know uh, when something is coming out that is not LED, that it's the the next level of. Uh, Alien, okay. alien space technology that you guys get funneled over to you, you know, like uh, quantum dots right. or uh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, when we when we uh, come up with some piezoelectric kind of thing where you don't have to have any wires. Yeah, it gives you yeah it gives you uh, air conditioning and lighting at the same time. Something fancy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank Thanks again, Ken. Sounds good. My pleasure. Well, thanks again to Ken Terzinski for um, Tyree, T-Y-R-I. It's funny, you're going to get me in trouble. You know, I was trying not to be a dick. I was going to say, Josh, (laughs) I believe in you. You can do it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) He just blew it for him. I still can't believe we got the president of the company to come on. I know. Mining grade lighting for our Jeeps. So cool. And hey, don't forget, Jeeper, you can get 20% off on all Tyree lighting, uh, lighting at foxtaillights.com. That's foxtaillights.com. You got to use the code JTS20 to get that 20% off of your lights. And hey, do you have an idea for a guest for our Jeep Talk Show interviews? Maybe you work in the off-road industry, or maybe you just know somebody who does. Maybe you yourself would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show to promote your, well, your Jeep build, your maybe your product. Everybody's got a Jeep story. We want to hear yours. Go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you. <laughs> By the way, if you've got an easy to pr- pronounce last name or company name, it's it's a bonus. <laughs> 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 hey, coming up next week, Derek Manchester. Oh, thank God. From <laughs> rockrashoffroad.com. Derek Manchester from roadrashoffroad.com. No, not road rash. Rock rash. It's did, rock I say, rash. did I say road both times? You, you, you said, said road. road. Rash. <laughs> I'm thinking about how I burn and crash no, and I'm burn. A dick. <laughs> I think no, it's it's actually good because I want to say it right. Listen, so, we're not going to get any more people to interview if you guys keep messing up their names. I know, right? Chris, Chris at sevenslash.com has put, put his hand on his face going, guys, you're killing me. I know. He's like, I'm out doing my job. Yeah, and I'm these hyping two you guys up. up. Yeah. I'm lining them up. You're making it hard for me to get these people on. So Chris. coming up next week, Derek Manchester, which I'm still very proud that I know how to say that name, from rockrashoffroad.com. There's no road. It's a, it's a rockrashoffroad.com. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Hi, Tony, Josh, and Wendy. Over the past several years, I've traveled to many places across the United States. Those places haven't always been off-road trails. During these adventures, I have made many stops in small towns to fill up my Jeep or fill up my belly, sometimes to see a site or stop at a store. 
and some of these pit stops can turn into destination locations. I wanted to share with you my top 10 must-see small towns in America. Now, please don't feel slighted if your small town isn't on the list. My picks are based on my trips to small towns, small towns I've actually visited. So here we go. Jeep Mama's top 10 must-see small towns in America. I'm going to do number 10 through 6 on this episode and then the top 5 on episode 555. Now we're going to start with number 10 and that's Taos, New Mexico. One of the prettiest mountain towns in America with an amazing scenic location in the majestic Santa Cristo Mountains, which is part of the Rocky Mountain Range. Taos has a unique art community and it's known for its adobe buildings and historic architecture. They have a world-class ski resort nearby along with the most photographed and iconic churches. Close by is a must-see Rio Grande Gorge Bridge National Monument. It's the 10th highest bridge in America. I had no idea it was even there. I discovered it when I was driving from Colorado to Texas. You don't even realize you're on the bridge until it's too late. And then you look down. And if you're afraid of heights like me, you'll scream like I did. There is also a scenic drive that circles through the Carson National Forest, an 83-mile loop through the mountains, valleys, mesa, and the national forest land, and it's peppered with small community destinations full of activities and events. The drive is centered around Wheeler Peak, which is at 13,159 feet, the highest point in the state of New Mexico. And there are several places in the area to take your Jeep off-road. Number 9, Salem, Massachusetts. Say that three times real fast. Step back in time with the many ghost and witch tours. There are plenty to choose from when you visit this unusual, cursed at one time town. I spent two days in Salem in 2016 and learned so much about the Salem witches. It was extremely interesting to hear about all the old curses and stories about the witch trials. A must stop is Murphy's Bar, said to be haunted by ghosts from the cemetery right next to the building. And actually, the building is built on like a hill. So the basement where the bar is, one of the walls is the cemetery on the other side. Very creepy. I couldn't find much off-roading near Salem, but if you're into the water, there are many maritime activities. The Misery Islands are nearby. Number 8. Creed, Colorado. A quaint small town nestled in the mountains of Colorado. They have Main Street shopping and nearby Stony Creek Pass, a 4x4 trail that takes you to the Alpine Loop near Silverton, Colorado. There are other great scenic drives around the town, Bachelor's Loop Tour, a 22-mile scenic off-road drive up and around the historic mining district. The trail is rated moderate. And just down the road from Creed is Pool Table Road, which takes you to Wheeler Geological Area. And there are links for some of these in the show notes. The geological area has the most fantastic geological features in the San Juan Mountains. Another must-see just north of the town are North Clear Creek Falls and South Clear Creek Falls, an unexpected scenic waterfall just right off the highway. Number seven, Lake City, Colorado. Once you leave Creed, Colorado, which is number eight, you just take a scenic byway north up Colorado 149 to Lake City, Colorado, another quaint little mountain town nestled in the San Juan mountain range. The rocky canyons with high valley floors and crystalline flowing rivers with miles and miles of outdoor beauty. A small town with big history. They also have Lake San Cristobal with boating, fishing, and other water activities. Plenty of hiking opportunities and ghost towns nearby. And Engineer Pass, a Jeep Badge of Honor Trail. Engineer Pass is one of Colorado's highest roads and takes you over to the Alpine Loop, which is full of mining history and ghost towns. Now you can see video of me on Engineer Pass on my YouTube channel. Just search Jeep Mama in YouTube and you'll find it. It was a very, very scary trail if you are afraid of heights. Number six, Silverton, Colorado. You can either take Stony Creek from Creed, Colorado, or you can take Engineer Pass from Lake City to get to Silverton, Colorado. Those passes will take you to the Alpine Loop, which is kind of a center in Silverton, Colorado, and there are a bunch of trails that come off of the Alpine Loop. But anyway, the Alpine Loop 
takes you directly to this National Historic Landmark, Silverton, Colorado. Yes, the town is a National Historic Landmark. It's a former mining boom town full of mining history. It's a cute little town with some great shops and restaurants. And there are miles and miles and miles and miles of old mining roads winding in and around the mountains with amazing views. It's an off-roader's dream come true. Nearby is Engineer Pass and Poughkeepsie Gulch, which are two Jeep Badge of Honor trails. Corkscrew Pass and Cinnamon Pass are close by too. Next week on episode 555, I'm going to finish up Jeep Mama's My Top 10 Must-See Small Towns with numbers 5 to 1. So on episode 555, it will be Jeep Mama's Top 5. And have you been to a cool small town? Please share it with us on the Jeep Talk Show by sending us an email or a voicemail message. That would be awesome. Well, thank you, Tammy, for bringing us some great suggestions of cities and small towns that we need to see in America. This is a great country to go do that. So, And by the way, how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. And don't forget, Jeeper, we need you to go over and chi- sign up for our newsletter. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, and you're going to find a link to click and sign up for that newsletter. Chock full of all kinds of information about the show, what we have coming up as far as interviews and giveaways. That's right. You can get in early on the next giveaway that we're having. Don't worry. We're not going to spam you or sell your information, anything like that. You get one email a week, and it's just as easy to unsubscribe as it is to subscribe. Well, that's it for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, don't keep us your dirty little secret any longer. Be sure to tell a friend. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Hey, Jude, you better lose yourself and imagine all the people. They all fade to black in the Hotel California where it smells like teen spirit. But Billie Jean is no sweet child of mine, so I gotta sing my Bohemian Rhapsody until I'm comfortably numb because I can't get no satisfaction on the stairway to heaven. You gotta fight for your right to party and don't stop believing you're living on a prayer or give us the full apart of broken dreams. Doesn't really matter. In the end, only another one bites the dust. Just like that, because that's the way it is, my funky cold medieval. One day, somebody at the end of a, a show is going to say, the more you pump it, the tighter it fits. <laughs> Just did. Podcasting since 2010. That was great, Josh. I love that random. That was perfect.